the power of patience, choosing to wait for the right partner, featuring Dr. Paula Perez. In a world quick to rush into intimacy, choosing to wait until marriage can be a powerful and empowering decision. Join us as we delve into the compelling reasons and numerous benefits of waiting for the right partner. From fostering deeper emotional connections to enhancing the bond between partners, the wait is worth it. Drawing from Dr. Paula Perez, AKA the 49-year-old virgin, this video challenges societal norms and encourages a conversation about patience, faith, and love. Embrace the empowerment that comes from waiting because the right love is always worth waiting for. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, where you're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. Welcome. Let me tell you a little bit about the guests that we have here today. Dr. Paula is an educator, speaker, author, and top speaking coach dedicated to empowering single women of faith to date and marry God's way. Her passion for serving single singles comes from her own experience. At 16, she decided not to have sex until she married. Her four-step framework helped her keep her vow until she wed at age 49. I am so pleased to help welcome to our stage, Dr. Paula Perez. It's so good to be here with you, April. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Well, this is a really exciting story. You are amongst a rarity, aren't you? And so it's going to be a really exciting conversation. I'm so thrilled to dive in. But let's start by sharing with the audience a little bit more about you. Sure. Well, as April has indicated, I have written a couple of books. The third one is on the way. And basically, I have had the privilege and honor of being involved with church ministry. I'm a preacher's kid, a PK we call ourselves, the oldest of four. I have been in the business world. I worked at IBM for almost 10 years before deciding to go into teaching. I've done non-for-profits. So I've really done a range of activities I am passionate about young people as well, and I think that's what drew me into education. But I've also seen how young people have often had to suffer because of the decisions of the adults. So as I lived my life, that was something that I was very conscious of. I did not want to do anything that would impact possible children or people in my sphere if I could help it. And thank God I was able to do that. I have never birthed a child. In fact, before I got married, I would often say, I'm the mother of none, yet mother to all. Because I'm the type of person, if I see young people misbehaving on the street, I pull over the car and intervene. <laughs> I jump right in. I cannot help myself. If I see a child acting mm -hmm. up in the store, I'll go over to the parent and see if I can assist. Because I just... That's just who I am. I think that's a beautiful thing to say. I just had to stop right in and mention that because I'm a mother to all. And for, for those who have chosen not to have children or they're unable to, that's such a beautiful way of looking at it and being able to bring in that part of us, that aspect of us. Thanks so much for saying that. And, and it's something that I really... Um, I grabbed onto very early in my age. I've always been surrounded with children. I have nieces and nephews and helped to raise some. Uh, and also because of the church environment, I had a program that 
It's called the King's Kids, the King's Kids Community Program. Mm -hmm. And it's a program that I developed to nurture, to mentor, to develop talents in the lives of young people, giving out scholarships, taking them on trips. I remember flying a group of about 15 from New York to DC to take them to the White House, to show them Congress, to go to the museums and things of that nature. So I've always poured into the lives of young people because I just feel it is such a worthwhile investment. And so many of the young people that were in my environment, their parents often had to work two or three jobs. Sometimes they were parents of single families. So I wanted to be a resource for them. And it has worked out so well. In fact, just last week, I was at the hairdresser and ran into a young lady that I met when I was a teacher. She's now in her 30s, <laughs> living her life. And she brought up, she said, I still remember you singing, if you want to be somebody, if you want to <laughs> go somewhere, you better wake up and pay attention. And she sang that to me. I was like, okay, I've had an impact. So yes, it means so much to me. Oh my gosh, I love that. Well, let's talk about that a little bit because the value that you have brought to people, and like you said, yes, I've made an impact. Well, let's just let's just talk about this a little bit because when we go into our minds about feeling like we're not making an impact or we're feeling bad about, you know, we could have done this, should have been that or what have you, there's different roles that we mm -hmm. get to partake in because of the situation we're in, because of our experiences, et cetera. So instead of feeling bad about it, know that all of those are gifts that you can give to the world. You know, parents are oftentimes very busy uh, making sure that they're raising their children, making sure, like you said, the parents are working and so they don't have as much time to to place. And so your position was to help open up those children's minds to exactly. what else is possible. Exactly. I In my lifetime, I've also been a principal and I brought that same passion to my schools. I had the honor of serving in three different schools, and they were all Title I schools, which means the schools were serving the neediest children mm. and often very um, multi-diverse populations. And I really pushed my staff to let the kids, number one, see themselves. So my expectation was there were books that they saw themselves in, that there was mm. material on the walls, that in the people that we invited in to our buildings look like them because you can be it if you see it. And I know the power of modeling for young people. So as a principal, that was something that I demanded <laughs> that our, that the staff would see the children for who they were and to give them what they needed. And we always took our students to visit a college campus we would often put up pennants from various universities. And I have the teachers talk about their own experience of going to school and that you too can do that if that's your desire. But we also took them to trade places. We have something in, I'm in New York, New York State, and we have something called the Board of Cooperative Educational Service, BOCES. And they do a lot of work with trades. So carpentry, electricians, things of that nature. So we would also expose the young people to that. And I had an elementary school. It wasn't even that it was a high school, a pre-K through grade four school. But I know the importance of pouring this type of mentality into them at a very young age so that they know it is possible. It is possible. That is beautiful work that you're, you have done, you continue to do. And when we talk about, you know, busying ourselves with things, I mean, you, when we go back to the, to the stem of our conversation and the choices that you have made when it's in regarding to our intimate relationships, to waiting for a great partner, not just a partner, a great exactly. partner. 
<laughs> and a lifelong partner, right? And so you really busied yourself serving the community. And so, Dr. Paula, I would love to know, because for many people, that's a difficult journey, or at least they think so in their minds, right? Mm -hmm. Because of societal standards, because of expectations, because of what our parents think, et cetera, et cetera. And you must have dealt with all of those things, I'm sure. So would you mind sharing with us what this experience has been like for you and how you overcame a couple of these issues or or societal standards that you came across? I sure will. I definitely dealt with it. I am the oldest of four. I was also the oldest grandchild on one side and the fourth oldest on another. So being in that birth order position, you just expect that you're going to experience life before your younger siblings. I had a younger brother, three years younger than I am that wound up getting married before me. And of course I was excited about his choice and that he was going to marry the love of his life, but it also bothered me. And if I'm honest, there was a tinge of jealousy. Why, why isn't it me? You know, I've done everything right. Why am I not the one going down the altar? And the situation was compounded by the fact that at the reception, there was a seasoned woman that was seated at a table. And after my brother and sister cut the cake, we had an opportunity to walk around and greet our guests. And one of these seasoned women said, when are we gonna have cake? And I said, oh, the waiters, they'll be here momentarily. She said, no, Paul, I'm talking about your cake. And I didn't know whether to slap her <laughs> or to, you know, oh, but it really sent me on a spiral. I did start thinking, well, why am I not married? I was in my late 20s at that time working at IBM. And it sent me off chasing after the man. And I made a lot of foolish mistakes. I sought after guys. I even got a reputation of being thirsty, as the young people say, a man chaser. And yeah. I was. <laughs> but I remember getting to a point in my life where it was almost like an audible voice from God saying, am I not enough? You have reprioritized your life. I used to be number one. Now you're seeking after a husband has become your number one priority. And I had to admit, you know, I, I think about idols. And for me, that relationship became an idol. I was obsessed with being in the right place, trying to do the right things, trying to say the right things to find the man that would marry me. And once I got to the point where I said, okay, God, you're right. I, I'm not doing this right. I wound up starting to settle into my life. Now I did a lot of stupid things in between there. There was a time when I actually did get into a relationship and the young man and I started talking about marriage, but I made some foolish judgment calls and wound up calling that off. I don't wanna share the whole story. If you're interested, I have a book about it. <laughs> But I wound up calling that relationship off. And during that healing process, I was reminded that I don't need a relationship. You know, I have so much worth in myself. And that's when I left IBM. That's when I decided, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go into teaching. I've always been passionate about young people. So I'm gonna take my gifts and talents and use it to serve children. And then I there was this period of time where, you know, well, I'll wait till I get married to go here, or I'm not going to do this until I can do it with a man. I, I started traveling. 
I started going all over. I went to New Zealand by myself. I went to Hawaii mm-hmm. by myself. I went to England. You know, so I started traveling and just enjoying life. So it, it was a journey to get there. And I just want to encourage any singles that are out there, know who you are. Yeah. Love yourself. Uh, you mentioned the four-step framework. And one of the parts of the framework is S, self-love. And Mm -hmm. I really had to get to the point where I love me. I valued me that I wanted to take me out. (laughs) I didn't need someone to do that for me. So many of us, we've already gone through relationships or we've had children and marriages, and then they didn't work out because we were very young and we hadn't gotten to the place of self-love yet. We hadn't gotten to the place of knowing how to go out and do things and experience life on our own, to do the work for ourselves, the self-development work, being the person that we want to be to match the person that we want to attract. And so you had gotten into all of these things without a lot of the baggage, honestly. And and so few of us are able, uh, well, or just make different choices and don't have the opportunity until later on when we start to figure it out, when we're like, well, we've had a lot of heartbreak and now I'm realizing the importance of all of those things. And so- I want to talk a little bit too, and your thoughts on this as well, but when we are intimate with someone and, and, and you mentioned that you had the, you know, people were kind of looking at you as you, I can't remember the term you use. Thirsty. Thirsty. Yes. (laughs) So, you know, when you're thirsty, right. Uh, And, and it's, it's lovely that you didn't go as far as many do, right. But when you are so intimate with somebody, this it's an exchange of energy because we're energetic beings. And so we kind of take on each other's stuff, whether it's messy or not, whether it's beautiful or chaotic. Right. And so, you know, you were able to really harness your own energies because of that, which is an incredible thing. What are your thoughts on that, Dr. Paula? I totally agree. I was very fortunate. There's so many of my peers that did not have parents that talked about sex in their house. Not only did my parents talk about it, but my mom, who happens to be a nurse, her mother openly talked about sex. My mother is one of six girls. So that topic was always on the table in their house. So even though my mom grew up in the 50s, when she entered marriage with my dad in the 60s, of course, she came with an attitude of, this is just part of life. This is what we do. And I was blessed that at the age of 11, my mom sat me down and she said, Paula, I want to talk to you about sex. So she had diagrams and everything showing me the parts of the male and all of that because she was a nurse and had access to it. But she also said to me, God invented sex. And I remember as a child on their bookshelf, there was a book entitled God Invented Sex. They had a red cover with big, bold letters, and I saw it on their shelf. So I knew what she was saying was true, but I love the way she phrased it for me. And I remember at the age of 11, my mom using the analogy of my life and my my sexual being being wonderful, nothing to be ashamed of. It's glorious. It feels good. When you have it, you'll want to have it some more. However, God has made it for a container, and that container is marriage. So Mm -hmm. your father and I would hope that you will save yourself until you get married. And I appreciate the teaching. You know, that always was in the back of my mind. And I was blessed to see a very loving, open um, parents in terms of communication, 
My parents are just amazing people. They're still very much with us, thank God. And they often would share with us just important life lessons. We One of the must-dos in our house was family dinner. And there was a period of time in our life where my dad worked second shift and was in college during the day. So the only time we had to spend with him was dinner time. So right after school, about 3.30, quarter to four, we would sit for dinner around the table. And my parents used that time to speak into us, to, to set expectations, to say to us, you are a child. That's our maiden name. You are a child. And I expect you to live up to the name because my dad has an amazing reputation in our community, well-known, um, just a beautiful spirit and people highly, highly respect him. And he always talked about a good name being so important. Mm-hmm. And then when I turned 16, we attended a conference. And at that conference, the person there challenged the fathers to really be a part of their children's lives, even their relationship lives. And at that conference, we actually signed a contract saying that my dad would be a part of my choosing my mate and that I was recommitting to saving myself to marriage. So at 16, I did, I made that decision. And I'm glad I did because I witnessed firsthand the fallout of having children out of wedlock. And I know things happen. My dad, for instance, is a product of rape. So I know what happens. I know the trauma that can occur. Um, and, And I appreciate what my grandmother went through and how she um, she was able to come out on the other side. However, I also know just how all of these things play out on children. So my dad had scars because of being a child of a single family, not knowing his father. Of course, my mother, my grandmother wouldn't have anything to do with him. Never revealed his name to my dad. We found out some information about him, but that left scars on my dad through adulthood. I remember him being married with us and having conversations around the hurt and the abandonment that he felt. And Again, I think because of my love of children, I just never wanted to subject a child to the fallout of my bad decisions. And you talked about the exchange of energy. I strongly believe that. We are spirit beings. And when we engage with other people in in a sexual way, it's an exchange of part of ourselves. And I was comparing guys that I kissed. (laughs) I could not imagine (laughs) if I had done more with them, the comparison game that would have happened. But I think about how hard it was to let go of those relationships and we had not even gone that far. So to the purpose of sex is to bind us to that purpose, to that person. Mm -hmm. And when it's done in marriage, it's doing what it's supposed to do. And for me, I didn't want to do anything to spoil that. I love the relationship that my parents have and wanted that for myself. And I knew making decisions to have sex with someone before marriage was something that just violated who I am as a person and who I am as a child of God and Mm -hmm. did not want to do anything to mess up any of those relationships. So for me, it was an important decision, and I have absolutely no regrets. Uh, well, that's the way to live, no yes. regrets. And just taking all of those experiences and turning them into lessons, into wisdom, and applying those to our world, and you certainly do that. Dr. Paula, thank you so much for sharing those incredible stories of your childhood, of your family, of, you know, it it definitely shows that you had this beautiful upbringing of understanding around love, sex, God, and all of those things. And so again, thank you so much for sharing that. It makes a lot of sense then why you felt confident 
to yeah. step into the decisions that you did. So we're going to go into our commercial. And when we come back, I'm excited to learn more about where your journey took you and how you created your four-step program. Stay tuned. Are you ready to take control of your ride to wellness? Rev up with Driven Living. Visit www.drivenliving.com and buckle up for a journey. Get exclusive access to our Wellness Driven Life Show guest portal, where you can dive deep into the minds of our esteemed guests. Sign up for our newsletter and get insider scoops on these distinguished personalities. It's like having a backstage pass to their life-changing wisdom. But that's not all. You'll also receive a free hug. You heard me right, a free hug. An enlightening ebook from the Driven Living team. Discover the science-backed benefits of hugging yourself. It's a fill-up for your wellness tank. Because at Driven Living, we believe in fueling your journey to wellness, both physically and psychologically. So what are you waiting for? Visit www.drivenliving.com today. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Here we are back again. We're here with Dr. Paula C. Perez, and you are certainly taking us on a wellness-driven ride. I love your stories, the navigation that you have created for yourself throughout life, and the impact and inspiration that you are creating for others in the world. You've written a book now that has been launched. It's ready for public. And so I want to talk about that and make sure everyone knows where to find you. We'll do that in a moment here. And for those of you watching, I do have Dr. Paula's website coming up throughout our conversation. For those of you tuning in, it's going to be in the description below and we'll mention it. But Dr. Paula, tell us more about how your journey took place, how you were able to finally find love. What was that experience like when you found your first love? Oh, <laughs> it certainly was a journey. I mentioned that uh, I was actually engaged prior to meeting my husband and thank God I called it off. And if you buy my first book, which is called 49 year old virgin delayed, not denied. I share all of the stories. I talk about my family history and because I made the decision at 16 not to have sex, I wanted to see what were my grandparents, what were my parents doing at 16? So I shared their stories in the, in the memoir as well. But as I, I was healing through that broken off engagement, I was just reminded, first of all, that our words have power. So I started thinking about what it was that I was voicing, what I was saying out loud and trying to be mindful of the words that I use. But then through my process, there is a four-step process that just seemed to fall into place. So first of all, I talked about the S and the four-step is the acronym STEP, S-T-E-P. The STEP stands for self-love the importance of loving myself, loving the package that I'm in. So many women that I've met, especially women, I'm sure there's men that deal with this too, but we don't like how we look. We want a bigger behind. We want a shorter nose. We want longer lashes, whatever the situation. We don't like the package that we're in. Mm -hmm. And when you can't love all of you, it's hard to love others. So I recognize the importance of self-love. And there were things I needed to work on. I had a situation as a four-year-old, and I talk about this in my book as well, but very quickly, as a four-year-old, when I was growing up, believe it or not, we still had bottled milk. We had not been introduced to cartons, but our school 
was one of the first schools in our region to start experiments, experimenting with carton containers of milk. As a four-year-old, my little fingers could not handle opening the carton. And I re remember holding the box up to my kindergarten teacher and asking her if she could help me. And my teacher's response was, are you stupid or something? I am 62 years old <laughs> and I can still feel how I felt when yeah. she said that. So a lot of my early life was proving her wrong. No, I'm not stupid. That's why I got a doctorate. <laughs> and it's so funny how childhood trauma, and my trauma is nothing in compared to what so many others have been through. But it's amazing how, especially as children, we hold on to words. We hold on to things that people speak over our life. Mm -hmm. And either we accept it and we we live in that defeatist life or we fight against it. And thank God. And I'm sure because of the positive impact that my parents had on my life. And they were always telling me, you can do anything. Fortunately, I fought against what that teacher said. But all my life, constantly trying to prove, no, I'm not stupid. <laughs> I'm dumb. I'm not dumb. You know, I'm I'm brilliant. I can do this. So it still had an effect on you, even though it may be a, a good effect, right? Because it encouraged you to push stronger and forward. Uh, but it, it's like this this self-prophecy, right? When we hear those words that people, it's just so ingrained in us. I don't think that we, I think it's age seven where we start to use our brains in a different way. Otherwise, we're kind of in like this dreamlike state. So everything is information coming into the unconscious mind and and it, it has an immense effect on us. So we're not really operating as us. We're just gathering information and then we start to operate with the information that was gathered, right? Yes, so true. And I'm sure you're familiar with ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences, and the impact, you know, these early life experiences can have on us. They trace obesity back to things that happen as a child. So I know the importance of the home environment. I know the importance of words that are spoken. And that is something that I try to encourage people in my area to really be cognizant of and to be very purposeful with what they say. I'm definitely of a growth mindset um, mentality and something that I encourage, again, my staff when I was in education and those that I worked with to embrace as well. So step, self-love. The T in my four-step process is the importance of trusting a higher power. For me, that happens to be Jesus. But we need to recognize that we're here and there's someone more powerful than we are that is controlling our life. And part of my trust needed to be trusting the timing and the process. So as I was entering each decade, my 20s and then my 30s and then my 40s, I really had to wrestle with, okay, what, what's happening? Does this mean that I'm not going to have it? And that's one reason why I use delayed, not denied in the title of my memoir, because there are times when we need to develop more. I wasn't ready for a relationship. And I recognize all of the areas that I needed to improve before I was ready to love somebody else. And that that's a lesson that I wish people would learn very early in their lives so that they could save themselves from so much heartache. Well, it goes back to the trust factor too, right? And, and that surrender piece. It's one of the most difficult lessons I have had to learn and continue to learn, right? Is that surrender piece to allow and let be and to know 
that things are are happening for a greater purpose. Exactly. And it's it's this incredible at least when we when we come to the idea of acknowledging it of having a, a, a at least a little of a understanding of it, right? The awareness of and being able to apply that is another thing, but it's this constant reminder of trust. Agreed. Yes, yes, yes. I remember I was probably around 31, 32 when a verse in the Bible became so real to me. There's a verse in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, that says, I know the plans that I had for you, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope in a future. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but that was something that I grasped in having the viewpoint of God seeing my entire life start to end and knowing what would transpire throughout my life. That gave me a sense of peace that I could release myself to him and trust that he would allow things to come into my life at the right time. There's a song in our church circles that says, he may not come when you want him, but he's always right on time. And that's something that I have experienced. You know, we don't, we don't have the benefit of seeing our entire life. We don't know what's coming. We don't know the challenges that we're going to face, but an almighty God does. And because of that, knowing that my life is in his hands has enabled me to rest in that. And I think that's what allowed me to break off that first engagement. I knew he wasn't right. I knew that he would not be able to cherish me, to protect me, to watch over me in the way that I need and deserve. And thank God I was able to call that relationship off. And when we know, first of all, who we are, and secondly, whose we are, it helps us to be able to know our value, to know our worth, and to stand confidently in that. Dr. Paula, what has it been like for you to come back on the other side and look back on your life and realize that all of those things happened to for for the reason to bring you to where you are today, to now have an experience, this incredible love and partner that you have in your life? And so what is that experience like for you to know now? It has been so amazing. And I think that's one reason why I'm so driven to work, especially with single women, because I remember what it was like. I remember getting to the point where I thought, well, maybe I had it wrong. Maybe I'm not supposed to get married and giving up on the dream. And then I remember getting to the point where I said, yes, this is going to happen. I share in the, the book another experience where. I was running a women's retreat and had been praying and asking God to bless this gathering of women. And I knew something exciting was going to happen. What I couldn't know is that I would be a big part of the excitement. At that retreat, at the end of our first night, I just blurted out, I feel like I'm gonna be married in the year. And I remember a real good friend of mine sitting near me said, to who? Because I wasn't seeing anyone. No one was on the horizon. But I really believed in my spirit that mm. this was the season, that things were shifting and I was now ready and I was wife material. And so many times- you know, like that, almost 50 years, guys. Yeah. Just so you know, that's how long self-development takes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was 48 when I made that statement and yeah, 48 and a half, yeah, 48 and a half. And it was just amazing how the Lord orchestrated things. Mm. So because I had gotten to the point where I fell in love with me, I loved me yeah. and I knew that I was worth waiting for and that the right person would recognize me. And one of the things I, I had to struggle with, because I have often been in charge, I'm a firstborn, 
I ran businesses. I was a principal. I was in charge of so many things. It was very intimidating for a lot of the men that I dated. They couldn't deal with the fact that I could do all this stuff and I didn't need them. Let's, let's reflect on this just a moment because for those of you women who are in powerful positions, tell us that you can relate with this because I have certainly related with that. I remember how troubling it was to date and most did not want to because law yeah. enforcement police officer. They're like, oh no, I don't want to go there. So it's it's very interesting that you bring that up. I think it's important to bring that up because tell us, Dr. Paula, how you moved past that. And you know what's kind of nice about that, I feel, is it really weeds out oh, the, yeah. the ones that are not the right fit. And exactly. so it brings in the energies that are an alignment that appreciate that, that love that, that, you know, just are able to play with that in a beautiful manner and respect that and love that. Exactly. One of the things that I found myself doing in so many of my earlier relationships was shrinking back, mm. you know, playing dumb yeah. <laughs> because I felt that's what it would take to get a man. And yeah, I could have gotten a man, but it sure. would have ended miserably. And thank God. Like I said, I called the whole thing off. And getting to the point where I realized I'd rather be alone than with someone that didn't deserve me and didn't know how to treat me and didn't know how to handle or to appreciate all of me allowed me to just rest. And again, we talked about trust trusting in the plan, trusting in the process. And when I got to the point where I felt like, okay, there, there is a period of probably four or five years where I said, well, I guess marriage is off the table. But when I hit 48, I'd gotten my doctorate, I'd traveled, done all of these things. I finally got to the point where I felt like I'm wife material. I'm wife material right now. It wouldn't take getting married for me to be wife material. Right then, I was wife material. Just as you are. Yes. And being able to express yourself exactly of who you are. Yes. You got it. Exactly. Yeah. So it it was a struggle earlier on in myself, in my um, dating years. And I think because I had not fully developed. <laughs> Yeah. I had not wrestled with who I was and accepted my gifts and talents and realized I was put here for a purpose. So we yeah. talked about the step process. My steps are showing self-love, trusting in a higher power. And as I said, for me, that's Jesus. Enriching others. The E is enriching others. And I did that through my teaching, yeah. through my community program, through my work with single women. I held book readings and did small groups with single women. So poured in. And then the other P, the P in the step is pursue purpose. And it took me a minute to, to figure out why was I placed here on this earth? What was it that I was supposed to be doing? And once I had all of those things in alignment, it was almost as if I became a magnet for the right man. And it didn't come in the package that I expected it to. <laughs> and in my book, one of the chapters is throw out the list. Because I had a list of tall, well, he is tall, but dark, chocolate. I just thought I was going to have a chocolate man. <laughs> but no, the Lord sent me a light-skinned Puerto Rican dude. <laughs> but he was what I needed. He um, was exactly what I needed. And it's just amazing how our purposes are so aligned. It mm. just, it blows people away and, and we are inseparable. If you see me, you see him and vice versa. In our ministries, what God has given us to do are like hand in glove. 
Yeah. We, we were meant to be. And I'm not saying that he's the only one. I'm sure there's other men that could have fit that bill. But I'm so glad that God has placed me with John Perez and uh, given us just such an amazing relationship and life. I love how you bring out that it wasn't packaged the way that you you thought. Exactly. Right? Uh, and my partner is a little older than me. I didn't expect that. But I think that when the right one comes along, you just know. You know, period. And the energy that you two bring together is this powerhouse, right? And you become a power couple. You and better believe it. Yes. Not only that, but I feel, and tell me what your thoughts are on this real quick. But when you are with somebody, the right one that creates that powerhouse, you want to be better for them. They make you want to be a better human being. Not when we discussed how you, you slump back in order to match their vibration, in order to be who you think that they want you to be, but you actually want to improve yourself and to be your greatest self around them and to continue that process. I think that there's a lot of stagnation happening in relationships where you know, you, you don't even want to continue growing because you feel like you're going to, you know, expand a, 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 a beyond them. And yeah. sometimes that happens quite often in relationships, but a, a beautiful relationship is where you are both growing and you're both continuously improving and you have the desire to do so. That is so, so, so true. I think a lot of people believe marriage is going to answer all your problems. Marriage is going to, you know, complete you or do whatever. Marriage is work. <laughs> Let's not get it twisted. Marriage is work. But when you're with the right person, it does help you to become a better person. I often say to my single friends, I didn't realize how selfish I was until I got married. But because of who I married, I want it to be better, just like you said. And the give and take that is required when you share your life with someone is just an awesome process. And you do. There, there's a saying that iron sharpens iron. And in marriage, that's what we do. And because my husband and I have Christ at the center of our relationship, that three-strand cord is unbreakable. We're not going anywhere. We will be together till death do us part. And in that process, God is making us into better people. I can't tell you how much we've grown. And a lot of times we think women, I got a ride. We were in Texas over the weekend and we were in an Uber cab with a young lady and it was her birthday. And she was saying that what she wants for her birthday is a man. So we went into a conversation. Of yeah. <laughs> I just think that was so beautifully set up by God himself. <laughs> and in our conversation, I was saying to her, you, what are you bringing to the table? She had all these lists and demands and she wanted someone that was older and he had to have bank because she wants to be kept. And all of this stuff, it doesn't always work that way. But when you're with the right person, you grow into what you, you need to be. I think about the story that we hear about Barbara Bush and with her husband, the first Bush, um, and Barbara going to the gas station with her husband and the attendant coming out was an old boyfriend. And President Bush saying, aren't you glad that you hooked up with me? And she's like, oh, George, if I married him, he would have been president. <laughs> and that's the way I feel, you know? So because of our linking together, <laughs> We have definitely both become much better people. And we we are, as you said, I believe we are a power couple. Mm -hmm. And we've been able to touch the lives of so many people. And it's interesting how opposites attract. And our life stories are very different. 
but it has enabled us to minister to people from all walks of life because of our combined experiences. So it, it has been amazing. This step framework that we talked a little bit about again, showing self-love, trusting in a higher power, enriching others and pursuing our purpose. It has lived itself out in my life, in my husband's life. And it's something that we just want to share with everyone. Uh, you have brought so much love and light in your stories here to the Wellness Driven Life Show. Thank you so much. Thank you. I want to make sure everyone knows where to find you. So I have it displayed here. For those of you listening in, www.drpaulacperez.com. It's also in the description. If you can't figure out what I just said, <laughs> www.drpaulacperez.com. Make sure you visit her. Her books are so inspiring. And what a what an incredible story form. I love that. Stories are so impactful, so powerful. And I talk about that oftentimes. It's why we have guests on the show, because it's through those stories that truly inspire us to want to make take actions to better ourselves. So Dr. Paula, it's been incredible having you on the Wellness Driven Life Show. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom you. with our audience and your love story with all of us to inspire us to make incredible, incredible uh, actions towards our self-love and decisions on the right partner. Uh, you've really given a lot of good tips in that, things to think about. So again, thank you so much. Thank you for our audience. Without you, the show wouldn't be possible. So goodbye for now. We will see you later. Bye-bye.